Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Really, James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. This week, amazingly, Bond went all the way to outer space. This is Moonraker. From the most exotic locations on Earth, Moonraker will transport you to another world. Holly was a warm girl with the right connections. Could this possibly be the moment for us to pool our resources? We would be better off working together. More excitement, more thrills, more spills. And guess who's dropped in for a bite? Jaws is back. From Earth to the most spectacular adventure in space, Moonraker. It's out of this world. What exactly are you up to here, Drax? Moonraker 1, liftoff. Moonraker 2, liftoff. Moonraker 3, liftoff. Moonraker 4, liftoff. We have liftoff. What's that? 
entire city in space. James Bond and the treacherous Dr. Goodhead. Despite your efforts, my finely wrought dream approaches its fulfillment. cinema in Leeds waiting for Harry Math and Tom and we're just about to watch Moonraker and I've got to say I don't think I've been more excited about watching any other film on the big screen so far granted it might be because I've missed the last two but I absolutely love this film this is the film that made me fall in love with James Bond at a young age basically because it's just so much fun it's silly but it knows it's silly however silly it is it's very funny but also it doesn't discount from some utter genius in the set production and in the score from John Barry. Roger is just completely at ease in the performance. For me, I'm looking forward to some of the one lines. I can't wait for hearing Roger to say a woman on the screen. I can't wait to hear the president's sweet guy. I cannot wait to hear Flight Into Space as the space station goes up. And I'm just really excited about just having two hours of sheer fun. I, I absolutely adore Moonraker and I'm just expecting. I just don't think this film's going to disappoint at all. So I'll let you know how it goes later on. Hi, Sam here. So I'm going to be seeing Moonraker a little bit later. Just some some quick thoughts, because I have seen this film at the cinema once three years ago, and it was an excellent experience. Cannot, cannot, cannot praise the experience enough. I don't think I've been in a cinema screening where there's just been so much joy at the end because of Q's spectacular final line. I think his attempt in re-entry, sir. I really hope that at the screening that I'm at tonight that there'll be some reaction to that. I really hope so. Moonraker, it's my third favourite Bond film. Rose quite, you know, a lot in the in the most recent few years to overtake Spy Who Loved Me as my favourite more film. There's just a lot that I think this film gets right, and yeah, it's it does get over the top. Bond in space, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, in 1962, I can't believe anyone would ever imagine that this would be the outcome of Bond or where Bond would head to. But, I mean, it's teased out in You Won't, in you won't Live Twice, you know, also Lewis Gilbert. In terms of where Bond was going in terms of spectacle, I think that's kind of what would end up happening. But I think it's done in a way that at least, you know, doesn't seem really weird. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's weird, but it's not to the point where, th- where it's like, okay, so aliens got involved with James Bond. It was like, okay, this rich guy managed to get a space station up there. He managed to get on the shuttle. That is piloted by an actual astronaut. It's not Bond piloting. He's doing what he can do within you know, the abilities and expertise that he has. What I enjoy about the film is just, I love, you know, the locations in this film, I think, are, are 
are wonderful. I love that a lot of the different areas that Bond goes to. For me, this feels like more of a of a holiday film for me. Like it, if I've been abroad, you know, I think about the Moonraker soundtrack or think about the locations because that's just the kind of vibe that I get. Which might not be right for some, but for me, I, I just really like that. The main cast are really solid. I love Lois Charles's Dot Holly Goodhead. She's probably one of my favourite Bond girls. I just like that. She, to me, she's just a, a more improved Anya. And although I think some ADR does Lois Charles' performance a disservice, I think the over the overall character works for me. Jaws coming back, can't really fault Richard Keel. I don't love that Jaws turns into what he he you know becomes, but I find it so charming anyway. I find I find the relationship between Jaws and Dolly just so. I mean, this is when the weirdness comes in. <laughs> it's very weird, but I just think it's very cute as well. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, we're going to space. We can handle we can handle some weird Jaws romance. Sure, Hugo Drax, absolutely magnificent you know would never have thought of this guy being one of my favorite villains but as time goes on you just, I just love i love his tone i love his sarcasm and his wit he's so collected i absolutely love it i love that he only gets frazzled towards the end of the film and things just aren't going his way but he's so in control of the rest of the film i think it's a, a great performance by michael lonsdale although I've, i know i pronounced his name wrong but I've, i think i think he's he's marvelous in this and just as, on a side note you know chang for a henchman he's fine intimidating the dogs are probably more of a threat to me but i mean chang does really affect bond in the sh in the centrifuge so i mean you know he does that and i think that's a memorable thing and of course his fight and ultimate death um, is a memorable part too corinne dufour has one of the worst ways to go i just i feel for this character you know so much i i've written it in in my uh, in my first article for license to queer i wrote about the bury your gaze trope and and applied that to the bond girls for me i i spent a bit of time talking about corinne dufour because she's one of those characters who doesn't really do anything she doesn't do anything evil yes she's working for hugo drax but she's not an evil person and she mentions her mother and she just seems too sweet for to to be part of this and so for her to be then dressed in white to be running through this forest this very kind of like hammer horror-esque way with this music just building being chased by these you know ravenous dogs and to ultimately die in that way and to hear the the bells in venice ringing when the dogs catch i think it's just terrible but i think it's beautiful as well it feels out of place it's a weird mix of themes but i think that's what moonraker is and for some reason that makes it it draws me in more but yeah i i just feel bad for that character and so to see that again on the big screen i'm not looking forward to but i also am so weird mix there it's a nice final film for Bernard Lee. <laughs> Again, he's just going down to a teen. I, I really like his sparring and relationship with Roger Moore's Bond. And I like that at this point, it's kind of gone down to like a mutual respect, I, I, I think, which is great. Q, of course, fantastic. And, and Money Penny doesn't have too much to do in this film, just like Spy. But no, all great things to see at the cinema. I'm hoping that I will love it even more, if that's even possible. Nothing beats out Goldfinger and Onomashis for me, but you never know, Moonraker might take it this time. But yeah, looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to what everyone else says about this, because I think if anyone's not seen it at the cinema before, you will really be surprised. I hope that there's so many positive reactions, because this film is made for the cinema. Much like Spy, I think you'll get so much from it. So yeah, yeah, I'll see you on the other side. Hello, this is Gary Kay at the Odeon Cinema in Bath. 
just about to go in to see one of the most fun James Bond films of all the time, Moonraker. Really looking forward to watching this. I saw it for the first time on the big screen earlier this year at the Prince Charles Cinema in London and the atmosphere there was absolutely fantastic. So I'm hoping that the audience, which is going to be a lot smaller this evening, is going to be... uh, receptive of Roger's humour as well as the audience was in London earlier earlier this year. Most looking forward to the fantastic locations in this film, Rio and Venice, as well as John Barry's fantastic score. I even love the gun barrel music in this film. I just love his arrangement for it. Just looking forward to a couple of hours of really good escapist fun. Speak to you later. So we're having something a bit different this week. We've got myself, Math and Harry all on the way to the Leeds Kirkstall view, something like that. That's right. Just outside Leeds, and uh, we're on our way now, and we're going to meet John Kell there. So to get four of us uh, really 007 boys there will be, well, quite an event. And when we knew that the Bonds were coming back on the big screen, Moonraker was certainly one of the first ones that sprung to my mind in that, well, yeah, it's one that we've... The love for it has grown perhaps more than any other since we started doing the podcast. And uh, it's a real spectacle. So just to see those big, vast sets, just to see the space element to it, just everything about it smacks of uh, the cinema and uh, John Barry's score. Those are just a few of the the beginning things I can think of. But Harry, first of all, you've been to this Leeds View a couple of times and it's got some nice seats, we're here. (laughs) Yeah, you probably heard John raving about those. He was really taken by the... uh, Yeah, you can recline in them, basically. You can press a button and... Uh, lie back as you watch James Bond on the big screen which is it is pretty wonderful it was you only live twice that John and I watched together where John was uh, particularly uh, wowed by it and yeah he's as you're hearing he's willing to drive all this way again just to, to encounter them well this on a slightly sort of separate note this will be quite special for me because it's the first one I've seen with Matt and Tom my two brothers here and obviously Moonraker amongst many others is one that we'd watch absolutely loads as children on video and you know recorded off the telly off ITV but I can't imagine that I couldn't have imagined sorry that we'd see it at the cinema together Moonraker so it's quite special that because this obviously we've been seeing them separately and now this is the first one we're watching together I'm looking forward to the experience and also like you've said Moonraker has been a massive grower uh, for us and see, I think for the Bond community, almost to the point where it's not even done ironically or anything like yeah, that. It's yeah. like an accepted thing that Moonraker is good fun, Moonraker's enjoyable, Moonraker's unique. Um, and slowly, the the complaint about space is fizzling away, and people are starting to realise that there's so much more than that. And obviously, the, the space stuff will be wonderful to see on the big screen. Um, but everything before it will just be amazing as well. Obviously, the, the music that you've mentioned, Tom, but so many incredible scenes in this film. And I do think it's Roger. I know sort of Spy Love Me is seen as his his bond. I think there's something in Moonraker that it's the start of Roger becoming extremely warm and... Um, brown. Brown. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And just... He's really refined and, I don't know, relaxed... Um, all, all in a good way, of course. Um, I don't know. It's just, I think it's a really special film, and I think I'll, I'll, it's a special Roger Moore moment as well. I think uh, him in this film. 
Well, it's, it's the first Roger Moore that we've seen. It's, uh, oh, no, it is. No, Live and Let Die was, wasn't it, for me and Harry, I think. I've seen Man the Golden Gun, and Math has also seen The Spy Love Me. So we're halfway through the Rogers, which is quite something, and it's gone quite quickly. Math, you saw Spy Love Me. Is this sort of a semi-sequel, do you think, to that? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, in, in many ways the plots are similar. We've gone to this huge, grand scale, and I don't know, it, yeah, it just really feels like like they're, they're, they're throwing everything at it by this point. And, and yeah, and, and, and also, John Glenn is now back on board as the second unit director. I, I really can't believe that we're halfway through the Roger Moore Roger Moore films because you know it's just it's just going so quickly I mean uh, you know as Harry says it's just uh, it, uh, the films I mean I just I love them all so much but just, each week I'm like I can't I can't believe that's the next one and oh, I can't wait to see it and you know being totally honest Moonraker I I went through a period of not watching it for ages yeah and, you didn't and, have it very high up in you no did our no I didn't that no I, I yeah but Having watched it again a couple of times over the last year or so, oh, it just it just goes up and up, and I, I love it so much. So this really is going to be a very special evening. I mean, it could well be the funniest Bond film, I think, possibly. Yeah. There's the amount of jokes in it and one-liners. Yeah. We we actually did... A, you were on that one, weren't you? The review, Math, or were you not? With Cinema Savvy? Was that just me and John? I think it was you and John. I was on the Octopussy one. Right, OK, yeah. So, I mean, that's... John and I have talked about it I mean, obviously that was about three hours long, but it's quite nice to talk about one that we haven't really chatted about in much depth because we haven't done the review yet. So I, I quite like chatting about those ones, and Moonraker is is, is right up there. And when we had it on video as kids, it was one of the last ones we got on video, but when we did get it on video, we just watched it to death, which is, of course, shows that it was one of the, the more reasonable ones. And then as you grew older... It, it, it was probably far more than The Man With The Golden Gun. It was the one that became known as a bit of a joke and not a proper Bond film or, oh, he goes to space, so he's silly. And I've always assumed since then that, you know, the critics and any Bond purist, Fleming purist, would hate it since then. But you're right, Harry, I think we've seen over these last couple of years that, I, I, I think I said it once, but we've had, you know, we've had lockdown and people are just want a bit something to cheer them up maybe a bit more than yeah. some you know gritty thriller type yeah. bond and Moonraker how can you not watch it and not have a smile on your face yeah. during the whole yeah. film he, you know he, the, the bits on earth which you keep going about and the bits in Venice the bondolo we've got that to yeah. look forward to the the double taking pigeon we've got the the fight with with Chang I mean that's pretty funny it's and such uh, comfortable viewing yeah Drax, I'm really Drax, looking forward yes, to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, he's he's Absolutely. gone up and up. He's got such such great dialogue and lines, and he he's perfect for the role Michael Shell Lonsdale, whichever one it is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait to see him and his you know his big speeches. Oh, it's just it's yeah. just fantastic. And in his chateau, or the Ken, you know, you got Ken Adam, yeah, working his magic again here um, on Earth and in space. It's going to be incredible to see it all at size um, in the cinema we've got a few people we've had on the podcast who were involved in the film so obviously John Glenn is editing and second unit director we've just interviewed Erka Bachenko who's one of uh, the Drax beauties who she was very aware that you either 
most people either absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. But I think I think that's still the case, perhaps. But more people are thinking they love it than hate it these days. I think. I think there are ones now that they might hate more. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Genuinely, you know, whether it's dying of the day or no time to die, it's, I think. It's, well, there's not enough getting a lot of oh, right. abuse, isn't it, at the moment? I think. At, just, at the moment, Moonraker, I think, is in a really good place for the fans and. All those that are seeing it at the cinema, are, I can't imagine anyone's going to go in to to find fault in it and complain. I think everyone going knows they're going to be having a good time and come out beaming because you know it's, a, it's a, like a fun romp. But as with all these Roger ones, there are some very serious moments yep. and um, the centrifuge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously the the dog attack and all that. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, we've it's also we've also. We had the chat with uh, Paul Weston, the stunt coordinator at the Prince Charles Cinema, and I think he said he said there you'll you'll see the video when it comes out that I think there's one scene in the space station where he shoots himself. So I'm going to be looking out for that one, uh, which which does happen. John Orty will tell you it happens quite a lot in in films because uh, you know that they're like oh I'll do that stunt and then they'll film a different shot of. You know, the, the, like, the other stuff. Uh, a school photo where, because it was done in two oh, separate yes, stages, yeah. you managed to get yourself on both ends. <laughs> Dearie me. The, and on that bombshell. Well, the, the, the other thing to mention, of course, is all the stuff in Rio. Oh, yeah. There are so yeah. many parts of this film. You obviously, space is the yeah. first thing you think. But there are so many locations. All, all the yeah. Amazon stuff. Is the Amazon. The pre title sequence. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, Goodness yeah. Me. And the song. The song, yeah, the song is so nice, isn't it? Yeah. It'll always feature low down on people's lists, but it's the easy listening run. Yeah, it's the <laughs> easy viewing, easy listening. Easy, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just back and relax. Send it to sleep this morning. Yeah, get in that recliner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then attempt re-entry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> right, we're nearly there, chaps. We will be uh, meeting John any second, and we'll we'll tell you exactly what we thought of Moonwreck on the big screen. Peace sure. and love. Yeah, sure, we're loving it. Right, see you later. I think I'm ever going to fly with anyone else. You're so right, Mr. Bond. This is where we leave you, Mr. Bond. A little premature, isn't it? Enjoy your flight. Hello there. Chris Cofield from Nansen in Pendle. On Sundays, when I was a lot younger, I used to go to church. The last 11 weeks, on Sunday, I've been on another kind of pilgrimage, hunting down James Bond. This week it was Moonraker. And what a delight this film actually turned out to be. I say that because I had reservations about this film. I watched it on Blu-ray plenty of times and I've watched it numerous times on television. And I always felt it was sort of like this loaded, derided film that you sort of could never see past the gondola bits and the double-taking pigeon. But actually, in its own merits on a great big screen, it's a cracker of a film. The opening sequence with the parachute, parachute chase, it's just really mind-blowing. It's absolutely, It looks amazing. You go straight into the miniature use with the space shuttle being stolen. Again, looks absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you forget that these films were made back in 1979 and you can't be comparing modern day stuff. In fact, sometimes you can. I think that these actually look better. Drax, I think, is a great villain. Michael Lonsdale is such menace. And the bit at the end where he's berating Jaws, 
The entire cinema was just so silent. You could hear a pin drop. Louis Charles is great as Dr. Goodhead. She's quite a quirky character. He's a decent file and sort of spars with Roger Moore very well. The bit with Corrine Clary in the woods is a scene that's always stuck with me and always feels like it's straight out of a horror film. I think that bit is absolutely brilliant. Going back to the model work with the space stuff, I wanted to see this really quite eagerly because of the, the space things on the big screen. And I wasn't disappointed. I thought they just looked fabulous. I've come away with a new appreciation for this film. I think is actually a lot higher in my rankings than it has previously. A lot of it will be to do with having watched it on the big screen, and this is why I think we're so lucky. So anyway, roll on next week, for your eyes only. Can't wait to see what the audience reaction is going to be when Bond's climbing up the cliff. Again, I'm hoping for one of those pin drop moments, and this is something that I've really enjoyed. You can feel the tension and everything in the actual cinema. You don't get that when you're watching it at home with your mum and dad or your friends or your partners or even on your Todd. It's just something else. Roll on next week. See you later. Bye-bye. As promised, Sam Rogers gives his thoughts on The Spy Who Loved Me First and then Moonraker. What an experience that was. I mean, you come back from these uh, cinema viewings and you kind of think, oh, it can't get any better, but seeing The Spy Who Loved Me finally on the big screen, you could go for the first 10 minutes and then leave and you would be happy because the pre-title sequence and, and the opening titles were just absolutely astounding. The grin that appeared on my face when Bond 77 kicks in and you saw Roger skiing, just remarkable. You could hear a pin drop when he went over the cliff and it's the first time since I was probably I was probably about five where I felt the tension, I felt that I couldn't, I couldn't look away. Yeah, truly remarkable. And then the title sequence, hearing that song, just so beautiful. During the pre-title at the very beginning, when uh, you have the submarine, hearing all the sounds around, I think that's when surround sound is truly, truly great. Is I actually felt a bit more scared because those sounds were just coming from all over those of the alarm. Hearing what was going on in the red, it just looks fantastic. But yeah, throughout the film, just so many great moments. It, it's non-stop with this film. It is true that, you know, just there's actually some really beautiful cinematography here, you know, especially of Roger in, um, in Cairo. And I just think it's actually a testament to Lewis Gilbert. I don't think many people actually put him as a, as a top-tier Bond director. I think a lot of people will go for, for a John Glenn, for a Martin Campbell, for Terence Young. I don't think they, I don't think Lewis Gilbert's ever at the very top, but I think for me, I mean, Lewis Gilbert, Peter Hunt, and Guy Hamilton are probably my, my, my three favourite Bond directors. They may not have the very, very best in terms of the stories that they have, but how they showcase them, how they present them, Lewis Gilbert is an absolute expert at showcasing such an extraordinary, expansive world. I mean, the fact that he that he deals with these firstly amazing beautiful locations i mean egypt and sardinia are just so so good and then to have these massive massive sets of of the liparis and of atlantis just ugh, i can't even explain how good it is i mean you're probably gonna get tired of me saying it of course it was lovely um, all the cast were great kurt jorgens is really he's real slimy he's just terrible isn't he a terrible person the performance is great stromberg is just so like i like i kind of you do kind of like fist pump in the air when uh bond shoots him i don't really care how brutal it is because you know stromberg is 
is willing to do all of all of what he's doing without any form of remorse or not really caring about any of the innocent people who will be caught in this. He's he's totally selfish. You know, you see it from the very beginning when he kills his secretary to killing the doctors who work in getting the tracking system up to scratch. Yeah, it's just he's maybe not the the most memorable in the grand scheme of Bond villains, but he does play an excellent part. But I mean, he is he is overshadowed for me by firstly by Naomi, who although she doesn't have too much screen time, she definitely benefits from the film. She doesn't go out of it in a bad way. She is there just as kind of maybe as a Stromberg assistant and pilot. And she she's I just I just love her like expressions when she's flying the helicopter. I think it's so funny. And I love the wink. I mean she's just having fun doing it. So I mean at least she died doing <laughs> something that was fun. But no, Jaws absolutely eclipses this film. The absolute standout aside from Roger, I think, in this film. He has such a presence and how he's utilising this, you know, he's, you know, even the comedic things that happen, it, he, it's not a whole, like, massive hammer on top of the head, bird swirling, like, thing. He's, he takes everything very serious, even within the comedic moments, and for me, that makes it more funnier, and that's why I kind of think he's funnier in The Spy Who Loved Me than Moonraker, because it's not trying as hard to make him funny. It's just kind of, it's more natural, or at least it feels more natural for the character. Anya, she's not my favourite, but I do really enjoy the performance. Barbara Black does what she could, what she can with with the material that she has and with the acting credentials that she has. Let's say, and I, I can I can totally believe the you know relationship between her and Roger. I don't believe it would ever be a lasting thing. They both understand what their jobs are, and especially for the world powers that they represent. But yeah, it's it's always bittersweet at the end because it's such a fun film, and then to have them both leave i believe you know in those separate helicopters at the end whilst nobody does it better plays it's just it's it's just beautiful you know really really like it i'm just trying to think of anything else uh whilst i can the marvelin homelish score yeah again maybe not the best but totally fitting for this film could not work for any of the other films in my opinion but it's just so great i i never tire of bond 77 in the film especially because it's just tweaked ever so slightly um, and the different scenes that it plays, you know, it is faster during the Lotus chase, and it's a bit slower and during the ski chase, around a similar tempo when they're underwater as well. And yet, also, the Journey to Atlantis uh, music, I love that piece as well. Just trying to think, Ken Adam, the sets, my goodness. It's just as such, you know, it, I think if you're going to be remembered, be remembered for something like that to create, such memorable sets you know i i was watching i was watching it and i was all i could think of was was nightfire at one point because i mean they have two multiplayer levels which are loosely based on the, the spy who loved me um an atlantis level you know the fact that i think there's only maybe like 10 multiplayer levels the fact that two of them are based off the spy who loved me speaks volumes and even like the miniatures as well you know the miniature for the tanker and the miniature for atlantis just yeah maybe somewhat obvious nowadays but i think even on the big screen it it holds up like 45 years later absolutely excellent if there's ever any opportunity to watch this in the future absolutely please go and watch it a pity you leave us such good sport unless you're a pheasant not really, Mr. Bob. Take my gun, a stray bird may fly over. I only stopped to thank you for your hospitality. I'm afraid it will get you to the airport in plenty of time. Come now. I doubt if I'm in your place. Oh, you're too modest, Mr. Bond. Over there.
missed, Mr. Bond. Did I? As you said, such good sport. So I got back from Moonraker a couple of hours ago. I'm actually about to head to bed, but I just wanted to get this in before I forget. Just, uh, it's just a fantastic film. I can't, you know, I feel like I am, I feel like a broken record at this point. I really do. But every film has just been so amazing to see on the big screen. And these Lewis Gilbert films have just been top notch. I mean, all of his films are within my top 10 anyway. I just think they have such amazing set pieces. Just are so well paced. Moonraker could potentially potentially drag maybe slightly i think when you realize oh we're about to go into space it, it could be like oh no how long is this gonna last for but i think it's just done perfectly i, I really think it runs along fine i think just based on audience reaction i love that people laughed at hugo drax's some of his lines i just thought it was i think i know one of i think when freddie gray em and bond are in his office and he's he's speaking about British humour, English humour. I think there was there was some laughs there, which was great. Laughs throughout, actually, and of course, the biggest laugh came from, I think, he's attempting re-entry, sir, which, of course, it always gets the audience going, so I'm so glad that it happened. There was one time where I laughed and no one else did, and I felt really awkward about it, which was when um, Roger says, well, if, it's, if it was the 69, then you were expecting me. And I was the only one who laughed, and I felt like... <laughs> I just felt like a child. I don't think there's any real weak, weak links here i mean i feel like manuela is a bit of a a bit of a wasted character i think i think she could have had a larger role or could have done something more but it just feels like she's in the movie then she's out of the movie so that's a bit of a shame i i have to mention erka pachenko yes i spoke with her a few weeks ago so i was more entranced by her this time yeah not so many lines but i think she's she's the most prominent drax girl in the film i think alongside Anne longberg who plays the woman in the the drax girl who does the tour in vanini glass i think those two are probably the lead ones in there who have the most prominent roles but of course erkopchenko's blonde beauty character has her back and forth with bond and then does the whole luring to the to the pyramid to the base and that that scene is just gorgeous i think What's wonderful about this film is that the music and the visuals, the audio and the visuals, they they, mar they marry up so well. And I think especially in the latter half of the film as well, I think everything is just a hit. Uh, pretty much from, you know, the boat chase onwards, I think the 007 theme is a little bit misplaced maybe. I mean, I, I still wouldn't change it because I love having it there and it's nice to hear it in this era because the last time it was used was in Diamonds Are Forever. I would still love it if it was used in the future. I would like it in a future Bond film. It, was, it evokes a lot of, you know, joy and a lot of, you know, like fast paced action. Um, which is when it's generally used. So I'd like to hear that again. But no, just uh, Bond Lords Pyramid, that track. Um, Flight into Space, of course, it's just one of the best pieces of music in film, I would say. There's Star Wars comparisons, and yeah, of course there is, but I don't think it's so heavy-handed. It's, you know, it doesn't have Corindu 4 in Bond's head going, Bond, trust you, Bond, trust your feelings. <laughs> or anything like that but now before i go on and on and on moonraker fabulous fabulous film great that there was quite a few younger people in the audience today mostly around my age and their 20s i'm happy and sad i'm happy that i've seen such a marvelous film in the cinema however we are getting ever closer to the end of roger's era and 
that makes me very sad but we've still got three films to go very intrigued about how for your eyes only will be because it's not one of my favorites of course like almost every single bond film i enjoy it and i like it and i'm a fan of it but compared to the others i have it you know further down my list it has some great individual unique set pieces that i enjoy but as a collective product i'm not totally on board however hoping that a viewing at the cinema will change that done all the bond films official ones so far and we're going to keep on going hello my name is yvonne curran my husband andy on sunday we went to see james bond moonraker at the liverpool odeon now this is a film we have on blu-ray it was on tv that afternoon andy why did we need to go to see that at the cinema well yvonne it's the only film in the history of cinema it's got a pigeon that does a double take Really, do you need any other reason to go and see a movie on the big screen? It's it's a memorable moment. Is is it a step too far for Bond? Um, you could argue that, but it does follow Bond literally showboating around Venice in a gondola that turns into a hovercraft. Right, Moonraker is a silly film, but it's a good it's, silly film. It's a very silly film. It, it's it's borderline Austin Powers in in places. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff there that was right for, for Cherry Picking yeah. by, by, by Mike Myers. That being said, it's a gorgeous film. It's, mm. It is a very cinematic film. Venice looks wonderful. I, I hadn't realised how good the, the scenes in Rio were. The, the scenes of, of the carnival in Rio really do, do sort of pop out, both sort of visually and with the sound. The model work in the later scenes, Derek Meddings and his team, the model work for the space station. As that appears in the light... That, and just gets bigger and bigger. That scene where it's just the slow reveal with the ominous John Barry score. I I, I defy you to have a better, yeah. better model shot than that. It's what, it's 43 years old. Yeah. It still stands up beautifully. I think it's nice to see a film on the big screen rather than your kind of Sunday afternoon when you were a kid and slightly distracted. And, and inevitably the robbers show on ITV. It's mm. always had breaks. It's always that sort of thing of, you know, these days everybody's playing on the phones. And, yeah. There were so many distractions just to be taken into the cinema and to completely submerse yourself in this, admittedly, very silly, <laughs> but glorious, glamorous, fantastical world where anything, including a double-taking pigeon... It's a science fiction film. It's... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very silly science fiction film. But it's got a little bit of something for everybody, mm. you know. It's got the locations, the girls, the bad guy, the Bond lair. Yeah, it's best mentioned to Michael Lonsdale just for, I think, being one of the best Bond, Bond villains ever. He's got menace with just a little slight hint of archness. So he's sort of, you can see somewhere just there's a little glint of his eye. He knows what he's doing with it, but won't sort of go, go the full sort of... Mm. Comedy routine. He's, he's evil, but he is very polite and calm. And... It's that calm sinisterness mm. to it that, yeah, even sort of makes cucumber sandwiches and afternoon tea <laughs> vaguely threatening. But then you're throwing Jaws. Bit of a fan favourite at the time? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like for me, I think Jaws is made to be a little too silly in mm. in this, especially the, the scene at the start. It's, it's a real curate take of a, of a movie. You've got one of the best stunts mm. ever at the start with the fight without the parachutes yeah that's impressive on the plane like obviously you know there's a parachute hidden under the costumes mm. and if you look close enough yes you can see that but just the sheer spectacle and the work that went into to putting that together the number of jumps mm. they must have done to get that on on screen the, the, the sheer sort of craft of that but then it's kind of a little clumsy when he uses his parachute cord and then flaps and the music that goes with him trying yeah. to pop his and 
yeah, that that almost undoes all the. There's a lot of kind of stunning moments, and then like, why is this scene necessary? Why are they running through the kind of boats in the Amazon and a gondola in Venice? Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you're going to do that, go go full throttle with it. Yeah, and, if you want to be entertained and embrace and it. Fun. Yeah, it's it's a movie that definitely definitely entertains. Yeah, uh, it's 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 well worth. Well, worth checking out on the cinema. Now, I'm glad you took me. So I've only ever seen them kind of Sunday afternoons as a kid. So to actually see one all the way through on the big screen with the full sound system. People sniggering at not-so-subtle innuendo. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the line at the end, which I'm not going to repeat, but Desmond Llewellyn's last line in the film produced one of the best guffaws I've ever heard <laughs> from a little old lady sat about three rows behind us, and I'm not entirely sure whether she might have swallowed the false teeth at the same time. I don't know, but it sounded like it from where I was sat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Standard CIA equipment. And the CIA placed you with drags, correct? Very astute of you, James. Oh, not really. I have friends in low places. Could this possibly be the moment for us to pool our resources? It could have its compensations. Where are you planning on going from here? I'm not planning on going anywhere. I suppose you're right, Holly. We would be better off working together. Detente. Agreed. Understanding? Possibly. Cooperation? Maybe. Trust? Out of the question. Hi, it's Patch again, Moonraker. It doesn't have an overly complex or original plot for a Bond film, and it doesn't exactly have as consistent a tonal balance like The Spy Who Loved Me. And there are some very silly elements in this film. George's less serious characterisation and the gondola turning into a hovercraft both come to mind. Nor can you describe it as being science fact like producer Cubby Broccoli so claimed. It is sci-fi. Though maybe spy-fi is perhaps a more preferable term we can apply to it. However, does all that really matter in the end? Suspense of disbelief is something I often consider to be part of the price of admission when you go to see a Bond film, especially one as fantastical as this one. It's like that lyric in You Only Live Twice's theme song, This dream is for you, so pay the price. And I am always willing to do so for Moonraker, because it is two hours of joyous entertainment. It's one of my most rewatched Bond films, along with Octopussy. It's endlessly quotable, funny, and very gorgeous looking as this cinema viewing helped with enormously. Like with Spy, I consider this to be one where Roger is in his prime as Bond. There's never a dull moment with him, and his mastery of one-liners, charm, as well as being believable in genuine moments of peril like the centrifuge scene. That in particular stood out even more on the big screen, because it almost felt like you were really there with Bond, hanging on for dear life. Roger was so good at what he did, and so very underrated as an actor, as in this scene he proves he can act his socks off without even saying a word. Last time I didn't speak about the supporting cast, but be assured I thought the Bond girls of Spy were excellent, and so too are the ones of Moonraker. Corrine's fate is tragic, and she does fall to Bond's child very easily, 
but from the way Corinne Clary plays her role, she still leaves a memorable impression. Yes, Holly Goodhead is pretty much an American version of Anya Masada. And while I prefer Anya on a more personal level, as the banter between her and Bond as rival agents from different sides of the Cold War is just a more fun idea, Holly is still a great strong female character. She's given more opportunities than Anya to fight and prove herself as an equal to Bond. Yes, like with Barbara Bark, there are occasions where Lois Charles' voice does sound slightly flat because of the dubbing. I still very much enjoy her performance though, and she remains one of the film's signature highlights. And Drax? Well, he's actually my second favourite of the Roger Moore era Bond villains. The only other film that I can recall seeing Michael Lonsdale in is, of course, The Name of the Rose, coincidentally starring Sean Connery. But I'm really fond of how understated his performance is here, which adds to his menace. Again, it's very much true that he's like Stromberg from the previous film in terms of his motivations. But even as someone who likes the latter villain, I agree with many that Drax is the superior villain. I loved hearing one of John Barry's finest soundtracks with this film, so naturally I was anticipating hearing Flight Into Space. Boy, was I not prepared for the feeling that gave me. Not just the music, but the atmosphere of the whole scene combined with it. I've seen that sequence countless times over the years, but I never imagined I would have the reaction to it in the cinema that I did. I felt like I was frozen stiff throughout the whole duration of that scene, and I can't recall ever feeling like that in the cinema often. Quite an achievement for a film like Moonraker to pull that off. So overall, Moonraker is the film that demonstrates why I maintain that the world of James Bond is a fantasy, with plenty of room for down-to-earth stories too, of course. Because here's the thing, it knows exactly what kind of film it wants to be, and it doesn't shy away from that. No matter how out of this world many of the ideas are, the fun presentation of them manages to look convincing to a degree. When I saw the spaceships flying across the screen, I didn't think to myself that they were models. At least not constantly. I knew they were, but I was absorbed into it. Such is the magic of Moonraker, and many a fantasy-oriented Bonds like it. Cal McKelvey was back to give us his thoughts on Moonraker. I'm probably not the first one to say it, but I do feel that Moonraker is often unfairly maligned as just being the silly one. It is easy to see why. It is definitely the Bond film which feels like it is most aimed towards children and families. Even with the darker moments, the lighter moments really do outweigh those. And the sheer number of toys and merchandise available um, during the film's original release really show that they did have a younger family audience in mind. But despite that, I still feel like there's an awful lot to love in this film for Bond fans really of all ages and all tastes. So there's the obvious things. Firstly, the sheer scale. It looks incredible and some of the action scenes are just amazing. The opening skydiving sequence, for example. Yes, you can see the someone wearing goggles in some of the shots, but just scale of that and the fact that they were able to do that in 1979 is just it's a really astonishing and um, amazing piece of stunt work secondly the casting obviously michael lonsdale as drax is a much loved villain um and though personally i don't quite see the love for him 
Um, particularly not when Kurt Jurgen's Stromberg is feels like he's often dogged upon and viewed as one of the weakest Bond villains. I still think Drax is a great character and he has some fan- fantastic dialogue. I think Richard Keel as Jaws is really having a lot of fun in this film um, and you can see him really kind of relishing this notion of sort of coyote and roadrunner and really sort of having fun with the more comedic aspects. I think Roger is also having a lot of fun with the comedic aspects and he gets some of his, depending on your taste, best or worst puns of the series thus far. Lois Charles as Dr. Holly Goodhead I think is equally excellent. She does some really interesting things and I think that the character is a slightly interesting take on a Bond girl thus far. However, I will say that she does suffer coming after Barbara Bach. I don't think that's anything to do with her performance. I just don't think that the character really is taken advantage of and is kind of swept up in just the sheer scale of Moonraker and all these, this near constant sense of action and just the real kind of blockbuster element of the movie. I think that really the character is one of the, the casualties of that. However, for me, there were two real standouts. The first is, of course, John Barry's score. I think it's one of certainly his most sumptuous. I have heard some arguments that it's a little slow and falls flat during some of the action sequences. I can see this. I do understand that. But I think for every moment where it perhaps doesn't quite sell the action, it's so grand and awe-inspiring, particularly during the fantastic model work for the sequences in space. Never really been bothered that perhaps it could be, it could have a little bit more of a beat to it during some of the chase sequences. That's never really bothered me too much. The other standout, and perhaps my biggest takeaway from Moonraker, is the sets of Ken Adam. Um, Obviously Moonraker was his last contribution to the James Bond film series, and whilst I think he's remembered primarily for his his larger sets the the volcano from you live twice and the tanker from spy who loved me when you say ked adam those are the two sets that people will perhaps think of first despite that moonraker i feel is him really just letting himself go further than ever before as such there isn't one standout set and every set is fantastic Drax's control room immediately springs to mind, but also for me, one of my favourites was Radar Jamming Room aboard the space station. Just the design on the floor really sort of, I was like, wow, you know, it captures your, your eye and your imagination. It really helps sell the, the scale of this film. Although I think we have some great Bond sets in the films coming up, Ken Adam is, is one of those heroes of Bond for me. And I think Moonraker is such a good film for him to go out on. And really, I, I don't know if it's ever recognised as perhaps his finest piece of work for the Bond series. Hello, I'm Ilka Boshenko from Moonraker, and you're listening to Really 007. Hello, Darren Bethel again, appearing with the tedious inevitability of an unloved season to bring my take on Moonraker. Now, we all know that this film is held with universal distaste, mostly amongst the Fleming purists. Grandiose, literally out of this world, farcical. If the spy who loved me had the trim of a racing snake, Moonraker is the equivalent of the slimmer of the year making up for lost time via death by chocolate. It's like what real Genesis fans feel about Invisible Touch when compared to The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway or Selling England by the Pound. Well, I'm a real Genesis fan, and I love Invisible Touch. I have a soft spot for Moonraker. It was one of the first Bond films I saw in its entirety on TV, and it was a perfect Bond film to watch for one of my age at that time, 
before I exposed myself to the sadism and debauchery of Fleming. Even before I watched the film I was aware of its existence. A friend from infant school had Moonraker discs to put in those red viewfinders that acted like little slide projectors. A primitive VR headset, I suppose. Also, I had the little Corgi Drax helicopter and Moonraker shuttles, which, when I opened the cargo doors, I used as a substitute for one of the ships they used in Space 1999 whenever I wanted to reenact an episode or create one. Jerry Anderson never replied. When I became hooked on Bond, I remember being given a Lone Star Moonraker space gun that fired caps. I loved the smell of the burning afterwards. Yeah, that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? It was a huge thing, that gun, and I don't know where it is now. I know if I kept it with the box, it would bring a small fortune these days. The main thing that forgives Moonraker is that the producers knew they were making this film, and it turned out to be exactly what they wanted to achieve. At a budget two and a half times the size of Spy, Moonraker ensured that every penny was spent. Like Spy, the main stars of the film are Ken Adams' sets, using what seems to be every film studio France ever had in producing his wonderful space designs. Also Derek Meddings, who earned an Oscar nomination for his special effects, taking ten months to complete, using rather tightrope walking style techniques such as winding the film back in the camera to superimpose every separate scene image. Finally, Christopher Wood's script is what keeps this film from drowning in its excesses. Every character has its own memorable line, except yours of course, and every joke worked, even if the odd joke was used in the previous film. Like Diamonds Are Forever, Moonraker set the tone for the remaining more Bond films to come, in that it's all over the place. Within the overall pantomime feel of this film, there are some dark moments, such as the centrifuge scene, Corinne being chased by the dogs, the death of the scientists when exposed to the nerve gas, and Jaws' approach to Manuela when wearing that rather scary costume, all of which were brilliantly reflected by the score of John Barry, making Moonraker one of the most underrated scores of the series. In my opinion, I think this soundtrack is better than Thunderball. Remind me to wear extra clothing when I next attend a Bond gathering in fear of having rotten tomatoes chucked in my direction. The return of the 007 theme used during the brilliant boat chase has a more languid, majestic feel about it, reflecting Moore's take on the role as opposed to the urgency of the Ernie Connery performances. The space suite is up there with You Only Live Twice, and overall, the score is much darker than the film's overall comedic mood, but maybe the disco end version of the theme is a tad on the desperate side. I think it's safe to say that Roger Moore had become very comfortable in the role at this point, in fact too comfortable. Unlike Spy, there's no real urgency in his performance, he's just cruising along in third gear at most throughout the film, rather like the Bondola. The one scene in which he really gets his chops is the centrifuge scene. You really believe what he's feeling during and after that sequence. I've heard a lot of criticism regarding Lois Charles as Holly Goodhead. Myself, I think she's really good. And the repartee she has with Bond has a kind of Lauren Bacall vibe about him. I believe that James Mason was originally thought to be cast as Hugo Drax, and due to the French co-production, it had to be a French actor to take the role. And in a way, Michael Lonsdale does play Drax in a Mason-esque manner, very laid back, at times droll, but with urgency when required. He's not as menacing as Stromberg, but he has a presence, and has one of the best lines a villain has in the series. No need for a reenactment, I think. Corin Clary's performance as the ill-fated Corin does make you feel for a demise at the jaws of Drax's Dobermans. Tashira Suga is a great henchman, and brings the edge that wasn't brought by Jaws. I don't mind Jaws's presence in this film. In fact, during the film, the sense of quiet admiration Bond has for him 
and his repeated attempts towards his life is very humorous, but the relationship with Dolly is of course a step too far, but does result in him later being on Bond's side, which I thought worked. The Bond family are overall served well, maybe apart from Moneypenny, who seems a little short-changed in the last two films. We all know that this is Bernard Lee's last outing as M, and his performance just gives me the feeling that he knew it would be his last. The grumpy boss has now become the more trusting father figure, as though he's saying, you may have tested my patience at the best of times, but you do the job well. Of all the screenings that are taking place to commemorate Bond's 60th anniversary, this has been the screening I've been the most excited about. A, because I've not seen it in the cinema, and B, whether it would stand the test of time in its spectacle. The result? It makes all other Bond films like kitchen sink dramas. The size of the screen at the Odeon Bromber wasn't the biggest, but it didn't undermine the sheer enormity of its ridiculousness. The pre-title sequence is superb. After the obligatory Kim Fortune appearance in the Lewis Gilbert film was done and dusted, BJ Worth and Jake Lombard take to the stage, making 88 jumps in total to make a sequence which I believe is quite forgotten amongst the Bond pre-titles. Being a victim of the film it's contained in, I suppose, that and the desperate flapping bird impersonation Jaws makes before falling into the big tent. The title sequence is lovely, together with the theme song sung by old Sherl. It's hard to imagine Johnny Mathis singing this, or is it? Kate Bush was in the reckoning to sing the theme also, which I think would have suited her also. It certainly would now. The print of the film was immaculate. The score sounded great, but the mix didn't give the goosebumps, as other previous scores heard in the cinema. Most of the film held up pretty well. The space special effects were beautiful to watch. The space laser battle still sounded and looked spectacular, yet the space sets now look a little dated. The bondola and the cable car sequence also haven't stood the test of time, yet everything else ticked the boxes. All through this film I shook my head at times, I was moved at times, I was in wonder at times. The child in me was awoken. Despite everything that is wrong about Moonraker, let's face facts. Do I find it more entertaining than Thunderball? Yes. Do I find Moonraker more entertaining than all of the Brosnan films? Yes. Do I find Moonraker better than Casino Royale? Yet No, don't be ridiculous. Maybe I'm letting my nostalgia get the better of my objectiveness, but there are no such things as guilty pleasures. Everyone has lapses. One man's steps is another man's beetles. Moonraker was meant to be what it is, and it should be liked as such. All the best, guys. You appear with the tedious inevitability of an unloved season. I didn't think there were any seasons in space. As far as you're concerned, only winter. And the treacherous Dr. Goodhead. Despite your efforts, my finely wrought dream approaches its fulfillment. Your dream, whatever sort of nightmare it is, has no chance, Drax. Do you think not? We shall see. No doubt you have realized the splendor of my conception. First, a necklace of death about the Earth. Fifty globes, each releasing its nerve gas over a designated area, each capable of killing 100 million people. The human race, as you know it, will cease to exist. Then, a rebirth, a new world. You see, my dear Bond, we're well able to protect ourselves against all enemies. Allow me to introduce you to the airlock chamber. Observe, Mr. Bond, your route from this world to the next. 
And you, Dr. Goodhead, your desire to be America's first woman in space will shortly be fulfilled. Leaving you on your flying stud farm, conceiving your new master race. If you like, yes. And of course, anyone not measuring up to your standards of physical perfection will be exterminated. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Certainly. Interesting. Most interesting. Jaws. Expel them. Jaws, you obey me. Expel them. Hello, this is Gary Kay. Just finished watching Moonraker at the Odeon in Bath and had an absolutely fantastic evening. Such a fun film. Audience was a little bit disappointing in that there wasn't more than about a dozen people in the cinema. There were laughs um, at times, not that many compared to the London screening. However, Q's line at the end of the film, of course, got a massive laugh. The transfer, I thought, was excellent. I thought it was one of the best transfers of these vintage screenings of Bond films this year. Certainly up there with the likes of Honor Majesty's Secret Service and um, Diamonds Are Forever for the not just the clarity and sharpness of the image, but the wonderful, vibrant colours as well. Sound was superb as well. Um, really did show off the excellent sound design of the movie and John Barry's score which is one of the most outstanding scores in the entire James Bond series sounded absolutely superb through the cinema sound system it was wonderful to hear the 007 theme played again for one final time in the series such a wonderful piece of music and a, such a beautiful majestic arrangement for the boat chase in Moonraker one of the things that I absolutely love in Moonraker is the uh, three-way interplay between Desmond Llewellyn's Q, Geoffrey King's Minister of Defence and Bernard Lee's brilliant portrayal of M. Such a shame that Bernard Lee died after this film was made because the rapport between those three characters is fantastic. Just some wonderful little comic moments, of course, not least of all the uh, the final scene with the footage being patched through to the White House and Buckingham Palace and that immortal cue line. Another regular, of course, is um, Roger Moore, who's um, in his fourth film at this stage, absolutely outstanding in the role. 
Not only can he play comic moments superbly, but also great in the dramatic sequences as well. As I mentioned last week, I absolutely love Christopher Wood's screenplay for Moonraker and for The Spy Love Me. I think that the dialogue is superb in both films. The plotting is so coherent and easy to follow and there's a decent spy story in Moonraker where Bond is basically um, following the clues around the globe. Just a wonderfully entertaining film and a story that keeps building and building and the pace doesn't relent at all. It's just wonderful. It's not too fastly paced. It's just a lovely leisurely pace. Just continues to keep the audience completely and utterly engrossed and entertained. The set pieces in Moonray could have just so memorable. You've got the fight on top of the cable cars in Rio. Stunt work absolutely fantastic during that particular sequence. You've got the skydiving sequence um, at the beginning of the film, which is just brilliantly realised. And you just can't replace very great stunt work with CGI effects. It, the stunt work, when it's done well and um, the production values are as high as they are in Moonray, it just looks phenomenal on the screen particularly when you see it on a large cinema screen for me one moonraker is one of the greatest travelogue bond films you've got bond arriving in rio de janeiro on concord and rio just looks absolutely stunning You've also got the waterfalls um, for the boat chase sequence, that region of the jungle and the temple in the jungle looks so breathtaking and so striking on the cinema screen. Just wonderful locations and as Venice as well, um, just a beautiful location. Just going back to Michael Lonsdale's performances, um, Hugo Drax, thought he is one of the very best villains in the entire Bond series. Love his deadpan delivery with the witty dialogue that he is given. Absolutely superb performance and a, another great voice as well for a villain. Lewis Child's Holly Goodhead, one of the best written female leads in the Bond series. Another strong female character. A CIA agent who's had NASA training. Very good in a fight based upon her, the way she handles herself in the space station sequences. And also a very good on-screen chemistry with Roger Moore. Certainly one of the most memorable female leads in the Bond series. Another star of the film is most definitely Ken Adams' amazing set designs for Moonraker. Um, his last film in the Bond series, he certainly left the series on a high. The space station interiors, the amount of imagination that's gone into the look of it, it just looks stunning when you see it on the cinema screen. And the amount of detail in there as well. Ken Adams' um, design as well for Drax's mission control center that's within the jungle. Um, that looked absolutely staggeringly good on the big screen. Also, the cinematography as well um, throughout the movie really did show off the locations and Ken Adams' set designs to their absolute maximum potential. Some real striking imagery throughout the film. I love the little sequence when um, Roger walks behind the glass urn, I think it is, his image distorted by the glass. Jean Tournier certainly did an incredible job with the cinematography on the picture. 
Also have to give credit to the fantastic work that was done by Derek Meddings and his visual effects team. Uh, not surprisingly, they were justly nominated for a visual effects Oscar. Their work was absolutely superb on the film. All of the budget on Moonraker just seems to be up there on the screen. Um, whether it's getting you know the best actors to play the parts, the best set designs possible, the best locations, just superb production values throughout. Particularly impressed with the look of the destruction of the space station at the end of the film. The combination of Ken Adams' fantastic set being destroyed, clever editing into that sequence of Derek Meddings' uh, team's incredible miniature shots. Just looks stunning on the screen. Really has stood the test of time, that sequence. And for my money, much better than CGI when you see tangible model work done as well as that and physical sets rather than green screen. Overall, a fantastic fun evening of such an entertaining film. It's no wonder that Moonraker was number one at the worldwide box office in 1979, beating the likes of Rocky II, Alien, Star Trek The Motion Picture, the first Mad Max film and Apocalypse Now. So, so many classic films, so many quality films made that year and yet, Cinema audiences wanted to be thoroughly entertained by Moonraker. They certainly were entertained and they would have left the cinema as the audience did tonight with smiles on their faces because the film was just such an uplifting experience. Very much looking forward to seeing For Your Eyes Only on the big screen next week. Hope that as many of you as possible are getting to see these vintage Bond films on the big screen for the 60th anniversary. Feel very privileged that we're getting the opportunity to see these films. And thanks once again to Rudy 7 for putting out these fantastic podcasts. Hope everyone has a fantastic week and speak to you soon. For my 13th birthday in 1979... We went on a family trip to the Odeon Leicester Square to see Moonraker. 43 years later, I'm back in the cinema, not the Leicester Square Odeon this time, to see Moonraker again. Alas, I'm on my own this time, but it's been no less brilliant. I love this film. That pre-title sequence blew my brains when I was 13. I'd never seen anything like it before, and I don't think I have since. It's peak Roger Moore. Moonraker in microcosm in that respect and it lives up to the hype that where all other bonds end Moonraker begins in 1979 I didn't think they could top the start of the spy who loved me but they did in this film it's pure spectacle a perfect cocktail of breathtaking stunt work and editing it looks and feels real because everything you see in it is real but Moonraker has so much more to add, so much fun and madness and good humour, and it also has a serious moments, like the horror of the Doberman attack in the woods, and Roger Moore's brilliantly understated performance when Bond staggers out of the centrifuge, drawn and wordless, which keep the tone of the film unpredictable and all the more compelling. It's fitting that Bond's most outrageous adventure should belong to Roger Moore, effortlessly taking us all along for the ride. And it is such a ride.
with charm and wit. Outer space now belongs to 007. At least I shall have the pleasure of putting you out of my misery. <laughs> Desolated Mr. Paul. Heartbroken Mr. Drax. Allow me. Take a giant step for mankind. Right. Having just come out of seeing Moonraker on the big screen with Bob and with Chris. At the Odeon Derby. At the Odeon Derby, that's right. I'm having a moment just trying to remember. <laughs> uh, because my arse has gone numb because Odeon seats are too they're too comfortable. I'll say that now. We'll get it out of the way. They're too comfortable. Bob, opinion. What do you reckon? From my last viewing last week, this is 10 times better mm. print. Yet again, I notice, obviously, the, the, there's a lot more music tracks than is on the original album. Right. And I also did notice, it, it, because of the cinema... Uh, sound system I did notice a hell of a lot more instruments mm. than what I've ever done even on the soundtracks wow. it was it was it was definitely a step up from last week I still I'm still not convinced that we're seeing him in full widescreen but, yeah but the print was definitely better it's not it's not a big screen is it I mean that the uh, and yet normally as you say because it's in widescreen the screen will open up mm. from the sides and then the picture will be shown in full. What's happening here is that you are left with a black bar top and bottom. Yeah. And it's the same screen as you would normally get. But the sound was definitely... Sound was... Sound and picture were better yeah. than last week. Pinch quality was, was magnificent. Yeah. Chris? I think after tonight I've got a newfound respect for this film. Mm. I yes. think that the photography in it is amazing. The colours rich and just made everything sparkle. Mm. Special effects, I thought that... Watching it on the big screen, it might look like um, Derek Meddy's work in Thunderbirds, but no, I think for saying the limited resources they had at the time, yeah. Um, yeah. it really stands the test of time. And that opening scene where you see the spaceship on the back of the plane, breathtaking, the way you see the clouds pass by. Yeah, that's yeah, very good. Very Amazing. Good. Likewise, the scenes with the spaceships and space battle at the end. The fact that I knew that those men spinning around screaming were actually action men figures didn't detract <laughs> from it at all. As you mentioned, the sound, the sound of the like the whooshing sound as spaceships were chasing after the globes. Mm. I thought it was brilliant. One thing that did strike me about David Medic's work was that it did remind me a little of the scenes with the spacecraft and General Zod in... Well, yes, in Superman. Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Not surprising, given that it was Dave no, no. Eddins and his team that did the work on both. Well, if, if it ain't broke, don't change it. And right. also, that line where Drax goes, Yours, you obey me. It just reminded me very much of General Zod for a split second, uh, the um, way he delivered that line. Uh, uh, also, I would say that on in connection with, with uh, Michael Lonsdale, and again, I've never spotted it before, but so he's had the fight with the pet snake right he's dragged out of the water and he says the line you're not a sportsman why did you call off the encounter with my pet snake and his lips aren't moving mm. and now i've never noticed it before no, no. but his lips aren't moving so he's it's a, it's a dub pre-title sequence was magnificent it looked fabulous 
It sounded terrific, as uh, as Chris said. You know, we're all very familiar with these films, and we see them on video, we see them on TV. But when you see them on a screen that's much bigger, like that, those those images of a shuttle launching and pluming salt behind it, as we now yes, know it yeah, is, yeah. looks brilliant. It, it works, absolutely it looks spectacular, and it completely works. And the destruction of the of the space center at the end, you know, is is just somebody firing a shotgun into it and shooting it and blowing it up and those and, and those images they stick with you they do look fantastic they do you were very very pr- impressed with <laughs> with jaws weren't you here we go <laughs> i've i've got a problem with jaws with this one all all through but mainly when he gets with the girlfriend yeah um and the scene that really really annoys me is where Jaws waves at Jaws. <laughs> makes me cringe. It is, it is the strangest thing. See, he's, all his entire purpose yeah. has been to he kill can. Bond for the whole thing. And then he waves at him. That's strange, peculiar way. I, I must say, the, the, <laughs> going back to seeing it on the big screen, the, the scene that knocked me out was the, the bomb blast area. Where where, where uh, Bond and Holly are trapped underneath the Moonraker. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah. looked fabulous. Yeah, that did sure. it really did it really was a real menacing set that was. I think there was meant to be a scene, wasn't there, where there was like a board meeting? Thing exactly, because she was sat at that table, wasn't she? And then, mm. and then yeah. But and it's like you say, this I seen it on the big screen. That was a great set, which was woefully underused in the final scene. Yeah, yes. it would have been yeah. great. It, yeah, it was to have it a bit more like a spectre meeting, kind of all yeah. the members around the table, kind of wondering what was going to happen. But also speaking of Jaws, like you said, I think that scene where they're both waving at them, it would, given the era, it would have been more fitting for them sat in the back of a brown Austin Allegro waving <laughs> goodbye as they go off on a holiday. Yes. Yeah. Oh, bye-bye. Have a nice time in your kitchen. Um, the, uh, I'd never really thought about the Jaws thing until you mentioned it. And I, and I must say that, you know, it's like chalk and cheese, yeah. the spy who loved me and yeah, Moonraker for Jaws. It's, it's used for comedy effect all the way through. All the way through. And But I think that the way that, for instance, George broke the fourth wall in on a Majesty's and looked into camera, Jaws should just never speak. No. He shouldn't no. be speaking. He shouldn't be able to speak. No. Well, here's to us. Is is a I don't know. Also, the, the him plunging a large bottle of Bollinger into his mouth yeah. to retrieve uh, did get a oh from behind us, which I thought was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. But all the gags landing in the same place as well. Yes, and I think his did. attempting re-entry was a, was a big laugh. Oh, yeah. That was the biggest laugh yeah. of the night, I think. So <laughs> that was good to say. Again, good to I see think, the innuendo I, I, still. I think there. from hearing the laughs, I think there were a few people who would unlike us had hardly. Yeah seen it or if not seen it at all yeah i think that 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 family behind us had yeah. said you know let's go and see a movie that we yeah. haven't seen before and they've all come out and they've all had a good laugh yeah. and they've all had a good time which is exactly the purpose of the movie yeah i did think roger looked good all the way through it yeah well. he did play the part well yeah he does um and, he looked particularly well lois lois charles looked very good all the way through as well she was you say all the way through but what about that dress she wears in venice that has not aged well. That like, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I mean, yes. the, black, the black light jumpsuit. It's, like, a, it's yeah. a shower curtain she's wearing, isn't it? Yes, it, yeah. it does look that stuff. But 
also, when will Roger learn that punching a guy with a yeah, crap full of metal, metal teeth... He did it last time. Yeah. I know. He's had a lot on his mind, He did, he did though, it. Yeah. I think he did it three times, is not he? Head-butted him this time <laughs> as well. Still never learned. And if you were, like, a thousand metres high up above Brazil, what would make you think, oh, well, surely we're better outside <laughs> He than said in. that. Yeah. He went, where are they going? <laughs> They're better inside And also, there. when you see that scene as well, just before, it makes you wonder what... Why does Jaws, apart from the spectacle of seeing him bite through a metal cable, why does he do it? Because then, he's then, going to go with it anyway. He's got to then get on the cable I'm, I'm car. the cars are moving, it, aren't they? Because yeah. after that, there's the scene where they pull alongside. That's right, they're yeah. swinging, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm not quite sure about the uh, the engineering of it. I, I think you can't afford to read too much into no, it. No, Remember, no, no, science no. fact... Not science fiction, yeah. as Cubby kept saying. Okay, well, uh, they're prepared to take a few liberties here and there, I think, yeah, as far yeah. from a, an adventure perspective. But overall, excellent. It really enjoyed very that. Good, very Really Superb. enjoyed it. Looking very, forward very good. to Fear Eyes Only. Come back down to Earth. Yeah, you'll do Fear Eyes Only. I'm going to do yeah. Octopussy, I yeah. think, is the next one. I am doing Fear Eyes Only, and hopefully, if I speak nice to some colleagues, Octopussy as well. Excellent. Well, that's the answer. And yeah. uh, so, until next time, we'll bid you a fond adieu. Yeah. Goodbye. Here's two eyes. Hi all, Tom Donnelly here. Just reflecting on seeing Moonraker on the big screen for the first time. Cards on the Table, it's a film I've seen many times and it's never really been a, a go-to for me. I, I've, I've always preferred other films in uh, the Roger Moore era. That said, wow. Seeing it on the big screen, it really is big budget, big bond experience. It's a film made for the big screen. It's one that sits in the shadow, I think, in some ways rightly, uh, in the shadow of The Spy Who Loved Me, given its prominence and its importance and number of elements in there. But there's certain elements of Moonraker that I think are better than than Spy, and parts of it that I really like. Especially, for me, the villain, Drax. I think... Michael Lonsdale's portrayal of the, of the of the character, the the interplay between him and Bond throughout the film, just really enjoyable. A different kind of villain to to Stromberg, even though they broadly have the same idea. Stromberg with his city, ten thousand leagues under the sea, uh, whereas Drax has his flying stud farm in space. I just really really enjoy that film and the, the, the way that he plays that character it's another great John Barry score though I do feel that as a, as a title song it's weak even though the discoed up version at the end is more enjoyable but the, the, the main title song is is very middling and very much Dame Shirley's least favourite I, I would think from a performance point of view it feels like she phoned it in really compare it to Diamonds or Goldfinger, which are you know top five Bond themes, I would say. Moonraker is is way 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 down the list. But what a fun adventure it is! It's fabulous to see on the big screen. It's it, it's one of those that I, I I really wanted to see, along with a, a number of others because you know the first Bond I saw in in the cinema was Goldeneye. I've subsequently seen certainly a couple of the Roger Moore ones and the two Daltons in the cinema and a couple of the Conneries, but obviously just really fun seeing all these in this run. I think as a result of, of seeing Moonraker at the cinema, it's, it's probably gone up in my estimation quite a bit. I say some really, really great elements and really great scenes 
I love the, the, the shooting scene and then you know, the, the, just the, the, the real tenseness of the, the Doberman chase in the, in the forest, which is generally, you know, really genuinely a good scene. Just, as I say, really, really enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one for your eyes only, which I think is alongside Live and Let Die and Spy is, is arguably Roger's strongest. But in, in Moonraker, he's really, really into the, into the role. He's comfortable. He's, there's a level of confidence in his, in, in his portrayal. You know, Roger Moore is James Bond by this point. You, you know, you can't be dismissive of that. Still enjoying it. Good to good to see it on the big screen and um, looking forward to the next ones. Hopefully see you guys for showing in this run. Thanks again, guys. Bye. It finished dead on 10 and that, to me, just showed the, ex- the pacing and the whole thing was so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely perfect, wasn't it? <laughs> that's, that's the most responsive audience I've oh. been with. Yeah, they were a good book. And the kids loved it, didn't they? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a comedy, isn't it, mate? It's mainly a comedy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there were there were a lot, like you say, there were a few generations of each family all sort of laughing together at the exact right points. But everyone in on the joke, everyone it was it was it was brilliant. Just yeah. a great atmosphere and a different kind of bond, obviously, um, compared to where it all began. <laughs> <laughs> the page of Fleming. Yeah, Drax. Yeah. yeah yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> no? yeah, it is a quite a, quite a radical departure from you know the likes of from Russia with Love, and uh, but you know audiences audiences change and tastes change, and you know we've said it many times that one of the brilliant things about the Bond series film series is that there's like something for everyone, and it's you know mm, yeah. there are different genres within the uh, within the whole series, and I mean this is just so. Enjoyable to watch from start to finish, and uh, it's it's so hard to not enjoy it. I don't know why you would be trying not to enjoy it, no. but yeah. And you could just tell the audience that w- that were in our screening were loving it, and they knew what they'd come for, and and that you know they got exactly what what they wanted. The, I think the thing that people say is obviously it goes into space, but it's not like it's a, it's sort of a deadly serious film and then oh it just goes into space oh that's ridiculous the tone is set from the beginning yeah, yeah. so you by the time you're, you're literally setting off yeah, into yeah. space you've you've completely yeah. gone with it I mean, all the way I kind of argue going into space might be the most serious yeah, part I guess that's well, yeah. <laughs> music wise yeah. and everything yeah, like yeah. That. well it's artistic and, oh, though, yeah, and, level, isn't it, and the themes of sort of you know the destruction of yeah. Earth and this this superior awesome. race and that. You're right. Yeah, I don't understand what you mean. When they launch and you hear flight into space, you know one of the most beautiful pieces of music. Ever <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I got shivers all over oh. my body. I really did. It was yeah. magnificent. When it's revealed that space station, I think oh. it just gets and her face, her face yeah. reacting to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Really, really I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say it. Best two hours entertainment I've had this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it is. No, it is. Say yeah. that because. From minute one, yeah. it was just laughing. Well, you were in it, yeah, weren't you? Yeah. The first minute. Well, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I was. Jo- John is in the opening title. <laughs> yeah, please, please see that. Yeah. yeah, He's the guy on the left who hijacks Moonraker. Yeah. And from minute one, it's just laughing. It's so silly. Roger, I mean, I've not seen a Roger film since Live and Let Die. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Slightly so, different. Like, he's completely it in is. his element yeah, now. It is. What I love about this one is the locations. I yeah, think it's, it's yeah. one of my favourite locations in any Bond film. Mm, to yeah. go, it's probably the it's it's to me it's the best of Venice in all the Bond films. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. 
and then you've City got Rio. Rio is yeah. wonderful. Isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Good and the Amazon, though. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I read it was Guatemala the double. Yeah, up, yeah. But still, mm. I mean, it's just got that amazing. Yeah, and you really feel like you're there in each of them. Yeah, you know, they yeah. capture the culture and you know, absolutely you just feel like you're stepping yeah. into it. Yeah, and then and then you go into space, <laughs> and it's actually space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Didn't see any computer generated text at all. Derek Meddings on his A game. Yeah, oh. yeah. absolutely yeah. astonishing. Yeah. I just want to um, just uh, mention something. This is, I was going to say Bruce Lee, didn't you? Bernard Lee's last. <laughs> yes, last yeah, 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 I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's just the contribution that he's made and yeah. seeing him in each of these films is uh, so yeah. pivotal to the whole He's brilliant, thing, isn't he? You know, and, uh, yeah. It's quite a key scene, isn't great. it? When he, he backs Bond. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Defence Minister, yeah. absolutely furious. He, I know. He it's, looks unwell in it. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, a, but it's a nice bookend to his character because of how, how he backs Bond, yeah. especially. Yeah, yeah. Considering you've got Golden Gun a couple of times ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shut Should up. Me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about Jules, guys? What about... Well, the, the audience yeah, will love it. The story arc. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't kill anyone, does he? In the... No. no it's, it's like Man of the Golden Gun again. Jules. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't kill anyone. Yeah. This one. <laughs> yeah, it's just. It's scary though for the first few bits you see. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's a horror film yeah. as well, isn't it? The <laughs> walking down the. I co- mean, I'm sure you've thought about this before, noticed this before. How did his girlfriend manage to get a ticket up to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the uniform. Well, she's everything. beautiful. Yeah, so. because she's the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she'd be alright. Yeah, but she's not in the same line. She hasn't, got, she hasn't the, got perfect uh, vision, has she? she no, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah no, it's but, true that. You know all the people in white, the animals going two by two. Yeah, presumably they all die. Yeah, I was wondering. If, I was yeah, like, I not thought, thought about that, that yeah. before. But like Urka and all them lot. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not on. Well, the only uh, yeah the only survivors are the US yeah. guys and Jaws and uh, Dolly. Dolly, yeah. You, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this? You know, this is like the iconic Jaws costume, isn't it? Yeah, I keep saying that. Yeah, it's not from the Spy Love Me. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, but does do he wear it a bit in the uh, the? Um, oh yeah, the Egyptian braces. Yeah, 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 okay. For the GoldenEye game. But it's like, yeah. you know, when you see him sort of going over the edge of the waterfall from a distance in the boat, oh, you know, yeah. you know it's Jaws immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously he's big, but then the braces and the white shirt. Yeah. It's twice he does that face, you know, like, oh my word, you know, I'm going to die here. Or, yeah. you know, yeah. Can I just mention the pre-title sequence? Oh, Skydiving. Oh my word, yes. It felt like you were up there, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. And jo- John Glenn. Yeah, he yeah, did all hours and months of filming. Oh, yeah. I know, like, there's the Mission Jay Impossible. Lombard, um, Jay Lombard, yeah. There's a Mission Impossible yeah, yeah. Halo jump, isn't there, and things like that, but it is different. This is. There's three people in yeah, there yeah. falling out of the plane. And and also, you, you feel like you also sort of get a sense of the, uh, you worry about the cameraman as well. Oh, like, yeah. It being filmed, capturing these <laughs> moments. And there's, there's one where, I can't remember, I think it's Jaws. <laughs> It's coming to Bond from a distance. Yeah, how is it done? On the camera. (laughs) Yeah, still camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when he chucks Bond out and the the guy goes out with him and everything. Um, But there's comedy in it as well, even in that scene. Yeah, Yeah. it's just brilliant. Great sound, though. So good. Yeah, and I think, like, find, not a contrast, there's an ode to, I remember when I watched Thunderball this time, and especially in the water, and I, I think I, I think I described the underwater scenes as like underwater ballet. Mm. Yeah, I think the space ones are yeah. gravity yeah. ballet. Yeah, you know sure, what I mean? it's that same yeah. kind of thing, yeah. definitely. We've had loads of battles up till now. Oh, there aren't there aren't that many left, maybe. Actually, but yeah. <laughs> Laser. Oh yeah, yeah. That was the bit we all looked at. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the, the inflowing foundation. Yeah, I think it was the moment when it was like a pan, sorry, not a pan, but a wide shot of yeah. both armies coming, yeah. sort of floating closely <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. like uh, what's his face Alan Port at the Inflaming Foundation yeah exactly he's repairing the bondola as we speak <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah oh that, that yeah, was, there's, so many there's so many moments it's one after another isn't it yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's I mean John Glenn as well I think the editing and everything yeah. I know he did, did Spy yeah, as well no, but Ken Adam yeah. yeah Ken Dude, think about there's about five different rooms before you get you know the, yeah. in the sort of the Amazon bit then there's another Amazon bit then there's another yeah. ground bit yeah. There's the bit fact, underneath the shuttle going off. I know, that was incredible. In, in the it? Amazon, it almost felt like yeah. um, Ken Adam was having a, like a joke <laughs> with Bond fans because when Bond arrives in the temple, there's that metal bridge and you think, oh, yes. you know, this is one yes. of those typical but ba- yeah. layers where, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they cross over and it sort of propels or ejects someone and then, you know, Bond doesn't go over it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, but Ken Adams got other ideas. Yeah, it's a rock yeah. this time that kind of flicks him in. Him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always see that metal bridge as an ode to you on the tour. Yes. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. Obviously, in that time, yeah. he yeah. didn't end up... Bond didn't go to space, but this time it's like... No, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. 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 going there this yeah. time. Yeah. My word. But it is, it's those, the three, the Lewis Gilbert trilogy that... Yeah. They're so much fun, aren't they? The, yeah. the yeah. spectacles on another level. Yeah. And to have John Barry back as well for this one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's such an... I find it a very interesting score, Moonraker. I think yeah. um, Flight into Space... It's beautiful, isn't it? ...is one of the most greatest pieces yeah. ever done. But it's very sparse. Like, it, it, there's yeah. there's yeah. lots of parts mm-hmm. yeah. where... I mean, especially when you've had something like Hamlish in Spy You Love Me, <laughs> where everybody... Yeah, <laughs> you know, you really <laughs> should be dancing here. Yeah. Absolutely, and you've got Conti next, which is very similar. Oh, but you know, yeah. finally. And, and just... <laughs> well, yeah. All right, and but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this is a very, it's very restrained. This from Barry, yeah. Yeah. you know, he he, mm. he doesn't. So many of them think the um, the jet, not the jet seat, the. Um, Oh, yeah, on the, the the 007 thing. Yeah, it was no, very, very it's such mellow. a slow very score, isn't it? Slow yeah, score. that's slower than any. Yeah, I'm a bit quieter. I'm quieter. The space laser battle, it, you know, yeah. what mo- action music we can have here? Yeah. Like really slow love <laughs> theme type. <laughs> no, but it works because yeah. yeah. they're slow, aren't they? Yeah, you know, they're yeah. moving right, in a yeah. sense. Yeah, the the music like when Corin's Corin put down oh, the centrifuge music. Yeah, the snake. Yeah, when when Bond kills those two guys in the lab. It's all his fault, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. I mean, it's cr- save the world. Their so movements yeah. are so familiar. Those, those oh, two sort of moving yeah. synchronous <laughs> and they're like more callow yeah. wannabe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peter Porteous wannabe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just brilliant. What a series. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the thing is, like, we're on a real run said, now. You know, the really just... for everyone. They can go from this to Fioras only. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, and everyone's just, fine. Yeah. Everyone loves it still. You just go from one mission to the next, having fun. Every having a laugh, yeah, yeah. having a laugh. Yeah. Sue me. And uh, <laughs> how can you, how can you not love Moonraker? It, yeah. For a minute, one, it knows that it's stupid. Uh, I know. Yeah, it's just great fun. I know. I think only Roger could. I, I know we go on about you know, could you see some different actor in mm. this, and maybe Pierce, but no this is just he's so good. He's, yeah. I think possibly. You know, it's his, it's his best sort of comedy performance, isn't it? Mm. He looks yeah. unbelievable. Mm. Like that. His yeah. hair is it's probably <laughs> yeah. the best haircut. Yeah. yeah. The flares <laughs> as well. There was one moment when he's um, first getting with Goodhead in the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you kiss your mother with that, man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after, after, you know, he's been through all her CIA stuff. 
and they're kissing and there's so much brushed hair going on. Oh, yeah. And his, like, brushed perfectly, the back hair's brushed. I was noticing that, you know, obviously his, his hair, when he's been in the snake pit, it gradually gets drier, so yes. it's absolutely... Yeah, it's, really? blonde, it's blonde for start, blonde. and then it's gorgeous. It's very blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's gradually done. It's not silly. Yeah, yeah. It's suddenly got lovely hair. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, he's got three left after this. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this is halfway through. Yeah, yeah. What a run. I know. It's, a, it's just a joy, isn't it? It is. It is, oh, it is. So it is a joyous film. And so many great little micro-characters in this film. Yeah, well, go on. Well, we've got the president suite. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. man. I just yeah. love him. Yeah, I just love him. The two, the, the security guard at the airport with Jaws. Oh yeah, one of my favourites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the guy on the, the cable car operates. Yeah. You know, the guy jumping out of the with his cigarette. As the, yes, as the uh, coffin floats under the bridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the no one's ever mentioned it. Everyone obviously mentions the, the guy who's in these three, isn't he? Yeah. The assistant director, or oh, whatever, yeah, yeah. who's yeah. got the wine. No one mentions the dog because the pigeon takes over. Yeah, the yeah. dog like squinting. I mean, that's Gene John Glenn. And then the guy. No one mentioned the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicken the cigarette in the. Yeah. Oh god! There's so many moments like that. Yeah. And then yeah. to top that sequence off, you get the guy falling into the into yeah. the river. And <laughs> Absolutely perfect, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then bombs and he's gone to the hat. I think well, there's um, a, a moment. I think it might. Yeah, it's after the bundler. Where you know everyone's uh, laughing, I was having a good yeah. time, and sort of Bond's parading around the square, yeah. and it fades out. You know, I'm not sure where he's going. Or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it fades out. Everyone in the audience is having a great laugh. Yeah. But it is pretty amazing how, in the next instant, it cuts yeah. straight to Bond snooping around at night, and the Spy audience work. is completely quiet again. Yeah. yeah. And uh, everyone was watching as he goes like hiding behind pillars. And uh, you know, it, like Tom said oh, at the start, the pacing yeah. it goes from these, yeah. uh, you know, really. Yeah, yeah, It's built up that tension so that yeah. when Chan does, you know, go, do, it is yeah. Really, yeah. There's no, great it's, spy work, isn't there, in espionage? Yeah, because yeah. oh, yeah. you don't, yeah. you don't know where it's going, do you? Even unless you knew the ending. I think you know, on Arrow, the uh, the most laughs were when he's uh, with Corin playing for information it's just oh, yeah. every every sentence ended with the word information <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be a Roger drinking game of information yeah. Yeah. it's almost like he was doing it knowing that this is his thing yeah, yeah. Daytons is the one yeah. that will yeah. Yeah. well it's yeah, in the next yeah. one as well we've got a Dayton in that one oh, yeah. information in for your eyes Oof, gosh, oh, there's Google as well. There is an octopus there. Yeah, I'd forgotten because everyone's like, "Hang on, he's not in Moonraker, is he?" And then, yeah. ah, right, I noticed this. This is really sad. I was thinking the the Rio Carnival is in February, famously, or January. You know, it is it is early in oh. the year, so it's not that hot. Well, it is still hot, mm. but then. Oh well, no Google snow in the snow, background. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's all worked yeah, out. Yeah. So <laughs> dense, at yeah. least great yeah. storytelling. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Even that's a comedy scene with Gogol. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Absolutely brilliant. But then you've got horror scenes like Corinne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the uh, Jaws as the clown. That's oh. awful, isn't yeah. it? Really yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Although Jaws, when he just goes off dancing, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd rather do that. Yeah. I find it funny for the first time as well that they don't like then sprint away. They're just like casually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why has no one sort of said, you know, done a Bond theme club? You know, there's obviously this Kiss Kiss Bang Bang club. Yeah. Was that Copacabana club? Oh, they yeah. They all come out. Yeah, yeah. And then you see the shadows of them dancing. Oh, yeah, when Bond's going Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and a cat. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I'd noticed No, I'd not, no, no. Put the big screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> notice the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, what, what, what well, a great experience. Before yeah. we go, ne- next week, 
We start the John Glenn run. We start the eighties. Oh, here we go. I mean, John, you've is it on the up for you that film. Are you going to see it? Of course, I want a bloody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, yeah. Very, very excited for it. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. Definitely. Yeah. To see Sid Child in action as well. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another guest who, yeah, by the time you hear this, well, fairly soon he'll be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chrome. Right, we've loved this, and we're right. really, I'm looking forward to hearing what people think. Yeah, I, I think yeah. most people, again, are going to be well, I think caught up in the magic. Could be the most positive review yeah. we could have. Could be, yeah. I yeah. You can't, you can't go and watch it and be like... <laughs> yeah, you know what you're going... Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe what I've just seen. Yeah. Yeah. James Bond went into space. <laughs> yeah. Not to the moon, though. No. It's, not, it's, not, yeah. Yeah. it's in the pre-titles, though, isn't it? Sorry, the title sequence there. Doing the flips and all that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Which got a laugh. Well. <laughs> yeah, I find that quite yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> right. Great See you next week for some absolutely premium Bond again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no way. Colonel Scott reports picking up two survivors from the space station. A tall man and a short blonde woman. Right. Okay. Dr. Goodhead reported their position 20 minutes ago. They're just coming into range of our tracking ship in the Pacific Ocean. We should have audio-visual within a few minutes from the remote onboard TV monitors. Houston calling Dr. Goodhead. Houston calling. Confirm your position. As this is the first joint venture between our two countries, I'm having it patched directly to the White House and Buckingham Palace. Well, I'm sure Her Majesty will be fascinated. We have audiovisual. Ah, at last. <laughs> My God, what's Bond doing? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. I think it may be time to go home. Take me around the world one more time. Why not? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.